Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse to the link top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both daily text reading and the lesson for today sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 10.50 a.m. Eastern. And today we are completing our reading of Chapter 29, The Awakening, with Section 10, The Forgiving Dream. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Beautiful Lesson 313. I think I have one muted line, which is, now let a new perception come to me. The top of the hour, Yvonne has volunteered to lead our reflection on that lesson and our thought for the next 10 days. What is the last judgment? So we have our thanks for that, Yvonne. And by way of opening this morning, uh, I had no question whatsoever as to the right poem, and it is from Meister Eckhart, To See as God Sees. It is your destiny to see as God sees, to know as God knows, to feel as God feels. How is this possible? How? Because divine love cannot defy its very self. Divine love will be eternally true to its own being, and its being is giving all it can at the perfect moment. And the greatest gift God can give is his own experience. Every object, every creature, every man, woman, and child has a soul. And it is the destiny of all to see as God sees, to know as God knows, to feel as God feels, to be as God is. Now let a new perception come to me. Amen. Amen to that, Laurie. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Laurie. Thanks for letting me bring that. You guys, okay. Here's our reading list today. We have Yvonne, Lemoyne, Robin Marie, Lana, Micah, and Jessica. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida, Judy, Roz, and Wendy. Have I missed anyone? Anyone else care to... No. There you are. Uh, Harrison, I can read. Oh, excellent. Thanks, Harrison. Alrighty. Pick up Chapter 29, The Awakening, with Section 10. But I think to go back just um, a couple of sentences before I start the first sentence in chapter 10. So we'll begin here today. God gave you all there is. And to be sure you could not lose it, did he give the same to every living thing as well. And thus is every living thing a part of you as of himself. No idol can establish you as more than God, but you will never be content with being less. 
Section 10, The Forgiving Dream. 61. The slave idols is a willing slave. For willing, he must be to let himself bow down in worship to what has no life and seek for power in the powerless. What happened to the Holy Son of God that this could be his wish to let himself fall lower than the stones upon the ground and look to idols that they raise him up? Hear then your story in the dream you made and ask yourself if it be not the truth that you believe that it is not a dream. A dream of judgment came into the mind that God created perfect as himself and in that dream was heaven changed to hell and God made enemy unto his son. Yvonne. Okay, thank you, Lori. I'll follow your lead here and do the same. Um, Chapter 29. God gave you all there is. And to be sure you could not lose it, did he also give the same to every living thing as well. And thus is every living thing a part of you, as of himself. No idol can establish you as more than God, but you will never be content with less. Okay, Forgiving Dreams, Section 10. The slave of idols is a willing slave. For willing he must be to let himself bow down in worship to what has no life and seek for power in the powerless. What happened to the Holy Son of God that this could be his wish? To let himself fall lower than the stones upon the ground and to look to idols that they raise him up. Hear then your story in the dream you made and ask yourself if it be not the truth that you believe that it is not a dream. A dream of judgment came into the mind that God created perfect as himself. And in that dream was heaven changed to hell and God made enemy unto his son. How can God's son awaken from the dream? It is a dream of judgment. So must he judge not, and he will waken. For the dream will seem to last while he is part of it. Judge not, for he who judges will have need of idols, which will hold the judgment off from resting on himself. Nor can he know the true self he has condemned. Judge not, because you make yourself a part of evil dreams, where idols are your, quote, true identity, and your salvation from the judgment laid in terror and in guilt upon yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Lemoyne. All right. How can God's Son awaken from the dream? It is a dream of judgment. So must he judge not, and he will awaken. For the dream will seem to last while he is part of it. Judge not, For he who judges will have need of idols, which will hold the judgment off from resting on himself. Nor can he know the self he has condemned. 
judge not, because you make yourself a part of evil dreams where your idol where idols are your true identity, quote unquote true identity, and your salvation from judgment laden terror in guilt upon yourself. All figures in the dream are idols to make you sick. All figures in the dream are idols made to save you from the dream. Yet they are part of what they have been made to save you from. Thus does an idol keep the dream alive and terrible. For who could wish for one unless he were in terror and despair? And this the idol represents. So its worship is the worship of despair and terror and the dream from which they come. Judgment is an injustice to God's Son, and it is justice that who judges him will not escape the penalty he laid upon himself within the dream he made. God knows of justice, not of penalty. But in the dream of judgment, you attack and are condemned and wish to be the slave of idols which are interposed between your judgment and the penalty it brings. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Robert Marie. Sixty-three. <clears throat> All figures in the dream are idols made to save you from the dream, yet they are part of what they have been made to save you from. Thus does an idol keep the dream alive and terrible, for who could wish for one unless he were in terror and despair? And this the idol represents. And so its worship is the worship of despair and terror and the dream from which they come. Judgment is an injustice to God's Son, and it is justice, justice that who judges him will not escape the penalty he laid upon himself within the dream he made. God knows of justice, not of penalty. But in the dream of judgment, you attack and are condemned and wish to be the slave of idols which are interposed between your judgment and the penalty it brings. 64. There can be no salvation in the dream as you are dreaming it. For idols must be part of it to save you from what you believe you have accomplished and have done to make you sinful and put out the light within you. Little children, it is there. You do but dream, and idols are the toys you dream you play with. Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move about and talk and think and feel and speak for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the minds of those who play with them. But they are eager to forget that they made up the dream in which their toys are real, nor recognize their wishes are their own. Thank you, Robert Marie and Lana. Okay, 64. There can be no salvation 
in the dream as you are dreaming it. For idols must be part of it to save you from what you believe you have accomplished and have done to make you sinful and put out the light within you. Little children, it is there. You do but dream, and idols are the toys you dream you play with. Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move about and talk and think and feel and speak for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the minds of those who play with them. But they are eager to forget that they made up the dream in which their toys are real, nor recognize their wishes are their own. 65. Nightmares are childish dreams. The toys have turned against the child who thought he made them real. Yet can a dream attack? Or can a toy grow large and dangerous and fierce and wild? This does the child believe because he fears his thoughts and gives them to the toys instead. And their reality becomes his own because they seem to save him from his thoughts. Yet do they keep his thoughts alive and real, but seen outside himself, where they can turn against him for the treach for his treachery to them. He thinks he needs them, that, that, that he may escape his thoughts, because he thinks the thoughts are real. And so he makes of, of anything a toy to make his world remain outside himself and play that he is but a part of it. Thank you, Lana. And Micah. Okay. Nightmares are childish dreams. The toys have turned against the child who thought he made them real. Yet can a dream attack, or can a toy grow large and dangerous and fierce and wild? This does the child believe because he fears his thoughts and gives them to the toys instead. And their reality becomes his own, because they seem to save him from his thoughts. Yet do they keep his thoughts alive and real? but seen outside himself, where they can turn against him for his treachery to them. He thinks he needs them, that he may escape his thoughts, because he thinks the thoughts are real. And so he makes of anything a toy to make his world remain outside himself and play that he is but a part of it. 66. There is a time when childhood should be past and gone forever. Seek not to retain the toys of children. Put them all away, for you have need of them no more. 
The dream of judgment is a children's game in which the child becomes the father, powerful but with the little wisdom of a child. What hurts him is destroyed. What helps him blessed. Except he judges this as does a child who does not know what hurts and what will heal. And bad things seem to happen, and he is afraid of all the chaos in a world he thinks is governed by the laws he made. Yet is the real world unaffected by the world he thinks is real, nor have its laws been changed because he did not understand. Thank you, Micah. Uh, and Jessica. Thank you. <clears throat> 66. There is a time when childhood should be past and gone forever. Seek not to retain the toys of children. Put them all away, for you have need of them no more. The dream of judgment is a children's game in which the child becomes the father, powerful, but with the little wisdom of a child. What hurts him is destroyed, what helps him blessed. Except he judges this as does a child who does not know what hurts and what will heal. And bad things seem to happen, and he's afraid of all the chaos in a world he thinks is governed by the laws he made. Yet is the real world unaffected by the world he thinks is real, nor have its laws been changed because he did not understand. 67. The real world still is but a dream, except the figures have been changed. They are not seen as idols which betray it is a dream in which no one is used to substitute for something else, nor interposed between the thoughts the mind conceives and what it sees. No one is used for something he is not, for childish things have all been put away. <clears throat> and what was once a dream of judgment now has changed into a dream where all is joy because that is the purpose which it has. Only forgiving dreams can enter here for time is almost over and the forms which enter in the dream are now perceived as brothers, not in judgment but in love. Thank you, Jessica. And Harrison. Sixty-seven. The real world still is but a dream, except the figures have been changed. They're not seen as idols which betray. It is a dream in which no one is used to substitute for something else, 
nor interpose between the thoughts the mind conceives and what it sees. No one is used for something he is not. For childish things have all been put away. And what was once a dream of judgment now has changed into a dream where all is joy because that is the purpose which it has. Only forgiving dreams can enter here, for time is almost over, and the forms which enter in the dream are now perceived as brothers, not in judgment, but in love. 68. Forgiving dreams have little need to last. They are not made to separate the mind from what it thinks. They do not seek to prove the dream is being dreamed by someone else. And in these dreams, a melody is heard which everyone remembers, though he has not heard it since before all time began. Forgiveness, once complete, brings timelessness so close the song of heaven can be heard, not with ears, but with the holiness which never left the altar which abides forever deep within the Son of God. And when he hears the song again, he knows he never heard it not. And where is time when dreams of judgment have been put away? Thank you, Harrison. And would there be a new reader for 68 and 69? Ida. Thanks, Ida. You're welcome. 68. Forgiving dreams have little need to last. They are not made to separate the mind from what it thinks. They do not seek to prove the dream is being dreamed by someone else. And in these dreams, a melody is heard, which everyone remembers, though he has not heard it since before all time began. <clears throat> Forgiveness, once complete, brings timelessness so close the song of heaven can be heard, not with the ears, but with the holiness which never left the altar, which abides forever deep within the Son of God. That was a long sentence. <laughs> and when he hears this song again, he knows he never heard it not. And where is time when dreams of judgment have been put away? <clears throat> 69. Whenever you feel fear in any form, and you are fearful if you do not feel a deep content, a certainty of health, a calm assurance heaven goes with you, be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. For beneath your hope 
that it will save you lie the guilt and pain of self-betrayal and uncertainty, so deep and bitter that the dream cannot conceal completely all your sense of doom. Wow. Your self-betrayal must result in fear, for fear is judgment. For fear is judgment, leading surely to the frantic search for items and for death. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. And would there be a new reader then for 69 and 70? I'll do it. This is Wendy. Thank you, Wendy. 69. Whenever you feel fear in any form, and you are fearful, if you do not feel a deep contempt, a certainty of health, a calm assurance heaven goes with you. Be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. For beneath your hope that it will save you lie the guilt and pain of self-betrayal and uncertainty, so deep and bitter that the dream cannot conceal completely all your sense of doom. Your self-betrayal must result in fear, for fear is judgment leading surely to the frantic search for idols and for death. 70. Forgiving dreams remind you that you live in safety and have not attacked yourself. So do your childish terrors melt away and dreams become a sign that you have made a new beginning, not another try to worship idols and and to keep attacked. Forgiving dreams are kind to everyone who figures in the dream, and so they bring the dreamer full release from dreams of fear. He does not fear his judgment, for he has judged no one, nor has sought to be released through judgment from what judgment must impose. And all the while he is remembering what he forgot when judgment seemed to be the way to save him from his penalty. It's penalty. Thank you, Wendy. And is there another narrator to complete with paragraph 70? Good morning, it's Karen. I can read it. Oh, thanks, Karen. Forgiving dreams remind you that you live in safety and have not attacked yourself. So do your childish terrors melt away and dreams become a sign that you have made a new beginning, not another try to worship idols and to keep attack. Forgiving dreams are kind to everyone who, who figures in the dream, and so they bring the dreamer full release of dreams of fear. He does not fear his judgment, for he has judged no one, nor has sought to be released through judgment, from what judgment must impose. And all the while, he is remembering what he forgot when judgment seemed to be the way to save him from his its penalty. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, everyone who read this morning. And um, I would so dearly love to uh, summarize this. <laughs> And you'll have to pardon the length because it's just too beautiful. 
In section 10, the forgiving dream. The slave of idols is a willing slave. What happened to the Holy Son of God that this could be his wish to let himself fall lower than the stones upon the ground and look to idols that they raise him up? A dream of judgment came into the mind that God created perfect as himself. And in that dream was heaven changed to hell and God made enemy unto his son. In 62, how can God's son awaken from the dream? It is a dream of judgment. So must he judge not and he will awaken. Judge not, for he who judges will have need of idols which will hold the judgment off from resting on himself. Nor can he know the true self he has condemned. In 63, all figures in the dream are idols made to save you from the dream. Yet they are part of what they have been made to save you from. Thus does an idol keep the dream alive and terrible. In 64, there can be no salvation in the dream as you are dreaming it. For idols must be part of it to save you from what you believe you have accomplished and have done to make you sinful and put out the light within you. Little children, it is there, the slight. You do but dream, and idols are the toys you dream you play with. In 65, nightmares are childish dreams. The toys have turned against the child. And this does the child believe because he fears his thoughts and gives them to the toys instead. Yet do these toys keep his thoughts alive and real, but seen outside himself, where they can turn against him? He thinks he needs them, that he may escape his thoughts, because he thinks the thoughts are real. And so he makes of anything a toy to make his world remain outside himself and play that he is part of it. In 66, the dream of judgment is a children's game in which the child becomes the father, powerful, but with the little wisdom of a child. What hurts him is destroyed, what helps him blessed, except he judges this as does a child who does not know what hurts and what will heal. Yet is the real world unaffected by the world he thinks is real, nor have its laws been changed because he did not understand. In 67, the real world still is but a dream, except the figures have been changed. They are not idols which betray. It is a dream in which no one is used to substitute for something else, nor interpose between the thoughts the mind perceives conceives and what it sees. No one is used for something he is not. And what was once a dream of judgment now is changed into a dream where all is joy because that is the purpose which it has. The forms which enter in the dream are now perceived as brothers, not in judgment but in love. 68 forgiving dreams have little need to last. They are not made to separate the mind from what it thinks. Forgiveness, once complete, brings timelessness so close the song of heaven can be heard not with the ears, but with the holiness which never left the altar, which abides forever deep within the Son of God.
And where is time when dreams of judgment have been put away? 69. Whenever you feel fear in any form, and you are fearful, if you do not feel a deep content, a certainty of help, a calm assurance heaven goes with you, be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. Your self-betrayal must result in fear, for fear is judgment, leading surely to the frantic search for idols and for death. Finally, paragraph 70, forgiving dreams remind you that you live in safety and have not attacked yourself. So do your childish terrors melt away and dreams become a sign that you have made a new beginning, not another try to worship idols and keep attack. Forgiving dreams are kind to everyone who figures in the dream, and so they bring the dreamer full release from dreams of fear. He does not fear his judgment, for he has judged no one, nor has sought to be released through judgment from what judgment must impose. And all the while, he is remembering what he forgot, when judgment seemed to be the way to save him from its penalty. Oh my goodness. Amen. Floors open. Morning. This is Ida. Um, this is a real good section. Excuse me. I'm sure they're all real good, but um, it's like balancing thoughts and feelings and but he couldn't put it in the book until now because we weren't ready until now. But we are ready now. So that's a good thing. Thank you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Hallelujah, Ida. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. I mean, the, the thing is, it explains so well uh, what idols are and how we can, um, and uses the analogy of little children playing with toys. And I remember when I was a child, I didn't even play with my toys that much, but I still would walk up the street to where this um, shopping center was being built, and there was a little mound, a little hill of dirt that they were using, and I'd walk up to the very top of the hill and, yes, pretend I was the queen or something like that of the whole world. I'm sure that's what I pretended, just like they say in here that they that kids do with their toys. I skipped the toy, and <laughs> I still did that, but um, I wouldn't want to be the queen of the world now. <laughs> well, I still see a world of attack, but he... Judges, he he tells us how to deal with that in here by forgiving and by not judging so we can see the real world briefly uh, before we realize that we have always been uh, in heaven. It, It went away and our oneness with each other and with God never went away. Now I am complete. Thanks. 
Thank you, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Thanks, Ida. Yes, thank you, Ida. Okay, well, there is one more thing. Sorry. They come in, apparently, sometimes it comes in threes. Um, That I tend to, during the rest of the day, uh, when I'm not directly studying the course, I tend to think that uh, to remake the world, to change all the institutions to ones based on love and charity and equality, is the way to change the world. And I think that that dream still has some validity today. But when I study the Course, I realize that all I have to do really is change my mind about the world to stop judging it and start forgiving it. And that takes me there. I'm sorry I, I interrupted. Thanks again. Oh, thanks for that. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Okay, this is Jessica, and... um, yeah, what what I wanted to highlight is um, in paragraph 69, whenever you feel fear in any form and you are fearful if you do not feel a deep content, a certainty of help, a calm assurance, heaven goes with you, be sure you made an idol and believe it will betray you. And, you know, I like that because it's very useful. It's very practical. It's something I can grab when I need something to hold on to. And I have in my notes a a bunch of different things like that, quotes and prayers and stuff. And this one's great because, you know, obviously I'm frequently fearful because I'm in this illusion. And um, if I can be sure that I made an idol, all I need to do is, is Think about okay, what 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 if I what's my idol right now, you know? And I'm afraid it's going to betray me. And boy, oh boy, it's not hard to find to figure out what I've done in my mind to think that you know something wonderful or something fearful is going to hurt me um, because that is goes on a lot in many of our minds. Um, but anyway, I wanted to highlight that because it's so practical and helpful. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jessica. Uh, thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. Well, one more thing from me, and then that's it. But it's <coughs> sort of like a confession of maybe my idol. Um, because um, for the first time uh, in the 
lunar eclipse <laughs> um, at four in the morning. I convinced my husband to take us up to the local Circle K and that we should buy a ticket for the Powerball, right? And I said, whether I win or lose, I'll never do it again. However, I, I had some numbers that I guessed. But then I said, no, no, let me, let me just use the numbers given by the computer. And I did, and we didn't win. But today, I double-checked what those winning numbers were, and they were exactly the same numbers with the Powerball on the end, in exact same order that I had them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, I didn't know whether to feel jubilant or to feel very, very depressed. <laughs> and now I'm like, well, when it gets to be real big again, I'm going to... I'm going to play it again, and maybe, just maybe, but this time, of course, I mean, what a lesson that is in trusting your own self-judgment, right, instead of giving, you know, for yourself and your life, rather than giving the, the power to somebody or something else, and uh, because the Holy Spirit's within me, and I believe the Holy Spirit wanted me to win, but my ego sabotaged it by not believing in, in myself and my capital S self even. Because how could I have done that without my capital S self, right? Uh, no way. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. And in the future, I'll let you know if I win and you can all ask me for money and I'll give you all the money you want. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Complete. <laughs> Here we are at the top of the hour. <laughs> um, that was fun, Nida. It was fun. It was very fun. <laughs> yeah, I laughing. I was about to say to uh, to Ida, this is Yvonne, that I'm laughing with you right now. <laughs> I'm complete. Thanks, Yvonne. And we'll turn to you, Yvonne. Thank you. Um, came forward early this morning and volunteered to lead our lesson reflection this morning. Fran is um, occupied with some business this morning, so she couldn't be here. You have my gratitude for your volunteering to lead us this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Okay, so I'll read uh, part two. What is the last statement? And then our lesson three... Okay, part. What is the last judgment? Christ's second coming gives the Son of God the gift to hear the voice for God, proclaim that what is false is false, and what is true has never changed. And this the judgment is in which perception ends. At first, you see a world which has accepted this as true projected from a now-corrected mind. And with this holy sight, perception gives a silent blessing and then disappears, its goal accomplished and its mission done. The final judgment on the world contains no condemnation, for it sees the world as totally forgiven, without sin, and wholly purposeless. 
without a cause, and now without a functioning Christ sight, it merely slips away to nothingness. You who believe that God's last judgment would condemn the world to hell along with you, accept this holy truth. God's judgment is the gift of correction he bestowed on all your errors, freeing you from them and from effects and from all effects they ever seem to have. God, this is God's final judgment. You are still my holy son, forever innocent, forever loving, and forever loved, as limitless as your creator and completely changeless and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and return to me. I am your father, and you are my son. <laughs> okay, the lesson for today is lesson 313. Now let a new perception come to me. Father, there is a vision which beholds all things as sinless, so that fear has gone, and where it was is love invited in. And love will come wherever it is asked. This vision is your gift. The eyes of Christ look on a world forgiven. In his sight are all its sins forgiven, for he sees no sin in anything he looks upon. Now let his true perception come to me, that I may awaken from the dream of guilt and look within upon my sinlessness, which you have kept completely undefiled upon the altar to your Holy Son, the true self with which I would identify. <laughs> Let us today behold each other in the sight of Christ. How beautiful we are. How holy and how loving. Brother, come and join with me today. We save the world when we are joined. For in our vision, it becomes as holy as the light in us. Take a moment here. Now let a new perception come to me. Amen. Let a new perception come to me. We save the world when we are joined. For in our vision, it becomes as holy as the light in us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Yvonne. It was beautifully done. Thank you, Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. That was lovely. Thank you, everyone. I felt that today, I must say. I just wanted to speak a little about the last judgment. Um, I guess this is a confession or a realization or a revelation or whatever. I don't know. But I've, uh, in the past, I always resented reading what is the last judgment. I, For some reason, I just had such past uh, stuff so on it, and um, I, I just, when I read it, 
today it just came across in such a more beautiful way and so uplifting. It's like the first sentence. It says, Christ's second coming gives the Son of God the gift to hear the voice for God, proclaim that what is false is false and what is true is never changed. <laughs> wow, so much for my idea of the last judgment. I mean, so anyway, I'm very excited to have reread that today. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. What a happy discovery. How long has it been now? About nine years or something I've been reading this this book. (laughs) It hit me today in a different way. Thank you. You complete now. Good morning, it's Karen. I had some thoughts about this this morning also. Um, First, I thought about the last judgment, and I thought, this was my meditation earlier, it was um, Christ's vision resting on the world and everything being purified and only seeing innocence and holiness and the truth. And the feeling that um, the substratum of everything is the divine, just that perception rising up. Um, Let all my perceptions be made new. It was like the perception of God in everything is the last judgment. You know, it's, it's no more interference with the falsehood of the ego mind Um, holding a veil across Christ's face anymore. And then I was thinking of the reading in the text, and it said in a couple sections before, it said, all idols of this world were made to keep the truth within from being known to you and to maintain allegiance to the dream that you must find what is outside yourself to be complete and happy. And it also talks about how um, the truth of what we are is within. So stop seeking externally because when we seek externally, we think we're missing something and we want more or we're looking to be special or we need something else. So I was thinking that last judgment is when we come within and we really meet the true self, the Christ self, And in that place, we feel whole and we feel complete. We feel innocent. We touch um, the true Christ within us. And that Christ vision in the inner realm shows us that um, we don't need anything, nothing is missing, and that we're part of everything. So that we feel that we are part of the divine the divine that extends everywhere and everything. And that's why the body disappears, because it says the body disappears. In the second paragraph of what is final judgment, it says bodies disappear, the world disappears. Well, when we go into that place within us in meditation where we really touch the true self, everything else dissolves away and it disappears. And so even though... um, 
I know for myself, I'm not evolved enough to have the final judgment. When I open my eyes and see the world, I still have places where there are fears and places where I'm projecting unhealed stories from my idol illusion and all of that. But on the inner plane, when I go within, there is a place I can, I can touch already where that truth exists. And I know that when it's the quote-unquote final judgment, then I'll open my eyes and I won't perceive my body. My body will disappear. Your bodies will disappear. All that will be will be that love, the one prevailing, pervading divine um, source of what we are, the source, the God self. So um, the other thing about the reading from today, just one little thing that jumped out at me is that our dreams, our dreams of judgment come into the mind that God created perfect. And in that dream was heaven changed to hell. So, it, again, when we open our eyes and we are, we're faced with the world of fear, it's just a dream that, that isn't what God created. It's what my mind projected. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Oh, that was beautiful, Karen. Thank oh, you. Karen, that was lovely. Thank you. Well done, Karen. Ooh-wee, thank you. This is, um, good morning, everyone. It's Jude. Um, this is just chock full of stuff for me. The um, words, words that um, are really jumping out at me today of course, it's, you know, that the judgment is an injustice to God's Son, and it is justice that who judges will not escape the penalty he laid upon himself within the dream he made. So here comes, here it comes, my responsibility for sight, how it is I'm seeing God's creation, and how I see God's creation through the eyes that he gave me. Lori, and I love your opening. You know I love um, Mr. Eckhart. <laughs> He's one of my solid companions. Brilliant. He's brilliant. Um, insightful. And, and what a portal. Um, but this, you know, that the, we're seeing something as a projection. That per, projection is what we perceive. And if and it, and, it, and it comes from the mind. If I have fear in my mind, I will see a fearful world. It's not that the world is fearful. It's that I'm looking through the eyes of fear. And that um, I just love this, that everything is an idea in the mind of God. Now it, and it talks about us um, making images. So we're making an image of ourselves. I made myself into a toy. Okay, here comes Jude, the dancing toy. And I'm moving about and talking and thinking and feeling. And I'm giving this image of myself power to tell me who is everything, who has everything and is everything. It's the son, the Christ of God. This little talking doll 
dancing doll that's going to tell God how it feels. <laughs> Which really makes me laugh. And I think, you know, and the line that um, it's where it talks about we give our toys, our bodies, the power to move about, talk, and think and feel and speak for them. Everything that toys appear to do is in the minds of those that play with them. This is clear to me. I've got the mind of God, and I'm playing with this body and thinking it's it's a whole lot of something. So, um, and then it talks about wishes, in which I'm making this, this reality of this toy that I made real. And I, I don't recognize that I've made this wish, I made my, my, my toy body a wish, and said it's real. And I think it's real, and I believe it's real, and then it turns against me. So I got this pain body. <laughs> you guys have heard me speak of this, you know, residue from Lyme. I've got this pain body who's going to tell me, the child of God, what I think and how I feel. And it became dangerous and fierce. And so what do, what do I do? I'm believing the fe- my, my fears, my thoughts are real. I'm giving them to my body. So, you know, this, this whole fear of the pain in the body and thinking it's real. Is that what I, that's what I have to pull out by the root. It's an absolute root of fear. That the fear is of the egoic body thought system. It's fundamentally opposed to my happiness, joy, and peace. You know, this is okay. I'm all down with this. The dream of judgment is a children's game. I don't have to judge it. I don't have to attack it. I don't, I don't have to dismiss it or ignore it. What I need to do is be vigilant for the thoughts that God would have me think. This, you know, that my, my body is not betraying me. And this, this, the, and I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, this idea of laws. Laws are of the mind. And God's laws of the mind are what keep me perfectly protected and perfectly safe and comfortable and relieve me from the bondage of this toy that I made and all the toys in the world, which may make me happy or completely threaten me. So the idea that, um, you know, we're doing this, this little marionette thing with, with all the images in our minds, the thoughts in our minds, that we have a kingdom, a kingdom of heaven to rule, which is who... And what I am in truth, that those thoughts rule my mind and therefore give me dominion over everything in the world. That that is my right mind. That is where right thinking, where I am responsible for nothing being interposed between my thoughts and the mind that conceives and, or thinks or perceives what it sees. There's two lines in here, in, the, in 7 and 8. And the other one is that dreams are not made to separate the mind from what it thinks. So I'm not separating my mind 
from what I'm perceiving, from what I'm judging. Two very important lines for me. It's a dream where no one is used or nothing is used to substitute for something else. I'm not making anything outside of me outside of me. I'm not making it into other than me. Here's the difference. The egoic thought system, there's an inside me and there's an outside. Everything else is outside of me and that's the dream. Okay. Now I've got the I've got the inside and the outside is one thing. I am everything. I have everything and I am everything. I'm the unshakable being that is that. That is God. I'm one with that. So nothing is separate. Nothing threatens me. Nothing can hurt me. And so it's one or the other. So, and I, I, can't, I can't stress this to myself long, long or hard enough that, you know, the sinking into and knowing that everything is inside of me, there is nothing outside of me including this body. This, my, this body is my toy. It's my joy. It's, it's an extension of love that, that's a complete express, expression of communication of love that touches and can feel and can sense everything in God's creation. It's an extension of a communication of being one with everything in a, in a tactile, real kind of sense. And I think this is where the real real world where eminence becomes transcendent and where transcendent becomes eminent within the body and <laughs> everything else, <laughs> nothing in between. Oh, full release from fear. I just love that quote that um, Jessica repeated um, because it is, it is absolutely, absolutely um, um, useful, practical, um, feeling content, at peace. Content is without seeking. I'm not seeking anything. I know I don't have any needs or any wants. I'm content. I'm not restless. Certainty of help. If I do get disturbed, heaven goes with me wherever I go and the calm assurance that peace is. It's the natural condition of the state of mind that knows who and what I am. Oh, oh, big stuff, huge stuff. Love you all. Thank you for facilitating and all for being. Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. That was powerful. Thank Very you, Judy. complete. Thank you, Judy. Oh, thank, you. thank you, Judy. Thank you. Great.
Hi, Chris here, extending the gift of of Christ as I listen. Thank you. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, I, I read this morning's section. Um, before and during and after, I turned to the news to see who won the elections last night. <laughs> and and as I watched my mind doing that, I thought, I'm so grateful that this section and these three lessons, 11, 12, and 13, uh, come during election season. <laughs> and uh, it dawned on me. That's pretty sweet the way you described that, Yvonne. It, it dawned on me that um, election season is a perfect example of the dream of judgment. And, and I thought about it a little bit. And my mind went back to the Tower of Babel. Um, and I thought, that story represented, look what we have made. Look how wonderful we are. That we have invested power in, well, in that case, um, a building. We have invested power in representative government. And we're happy when our representative government does what we want. And we're unhappy when it doesn't. <laughs> What a great example of the dream, huh? What a great example of children's toys. What an example of what he means by the word idol. I invest, I with my mind, invest something with power that I think exists outside of me. And when that power outside of me does what I want, I'm happy. And when it doesn't, I'm unhappy. And worse than that, um, my mind can go all the way to condemnation uh, of the idol that I've opted to prefer in my version of the dream. <laughs> so I was really thankful that this came during election season because it's an excellent example of how the dream works. This dream of judgment came into the mind of God's Son. The thing about um, what's going on here with the last judgment and these three lessons is that it lays out in stark clarity what's here for me to understand as truth. If I accept God's final judgment on His Son, I'm turning to it. You are still my holy son, forever innocent, forever loving, and forever loved, as limitless as your creator and completely changeless and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and return to me. I am your father and you are my son. In the presence of that fullness, in the presence of that totality, of innocence and belovedness. 
<laughs> I'm sorry about that ringing phone. In the presence of all that, where is the need to go look for something else outside myself? Where is the need to uh, make up, make up, separate my thoughts from myself and invest them in something else? There's just simply no need for it. And so the invitation of the last judgment he lays out really clearly in Lesson 311, I judge all things as I would have them be according to my value system and my sense of lack and my sense of substitution for what I think is better than what I see. I do that with my mind and with my judgment. Yet in 311, Lesson 311, we wait with an open mind to hear your judgment of the son you love. We do not know him and we cannot judge. And so we let your love decide what he is whom you created as your son must be. And when I relinquish judgment, when I, when I give up that futile, that futile thing that I have no need of because the last judgment I've accepted is true, I'm going to get a new vision. First, he wants me to know that I can see a liberated world set free from judgment. I can perceive that. I have no need to project from my thoughts a sense of lack and put that on the world and see it as lacking, not what I'd like it to be. I have no need to see that way anymore when I accept God's judgment. And finally, this beautiful prayer, what a gorgeous prayer it is. Now, now, relinquishing judgment, tell me the truth of what I see. Tell me the truth of what I am. Tell me the truth of what your creation is. Tell me the truth of your brother, my brother. Tell me the truth. Now let a new perception come to me. I no longer need rely on my judgment to decide what anything is. I can be told the truth into my open mind and heart. For me, it all starts, and, and Judy, you, you described it really well. For me, it all starts with accepting the atonement for myself. Because when my heart is full, my heart is full, I have no need to project a deficit onto the world and see it condemned. And without that, this new perception will come to me. And I start to understand that Christ's vision is the home of all miracles. Christ's vision is the miracle of oneness. It's the restoration of truth, pure innocence and holiness. So how do I get there? What's my greatest tool? My greatest tool when I looked at the elections this morning was, forgive my mind, my father. I was crazy for a minute. I thought I saw outside myself a world where um, power wins and losers lose. I thought I saw that for a minute. Forgive my mind. My father, I was wrong. I accept correction 
for that error of perception born of judgment for because momentarily I forgot the truth of myself and for me that's what he means when he says deep content certainty of help calm assurance of heaven the light didn't go out when I didn't see it the light was always there beneath the veil of judgment that I cast upon the world and I cast it upon my world because I forgot the truth of me this is why the atonement is capitalized it's the single perfect defense that can never ever ever be used to harm only to heal the purpose of this world isn't to establish who has power and who's the winner and who's the loser the purpose of this world is the healing of God's Son and finally um, there's a quote that helps me remember the truth when I'm seen wrongly when my new perception is temporarily blind never forget he says that the sonship is your soul and if I fail to understand my brother I am projecting out of fear <laughs> if I fail to understand my brother's holiness is my own I'm separating myself I'm, I'm doing this to myself with my thoughts oh and you know I said finally but not quite finally because this year I noticed um, how important it is these thoughts thoughts do not leave the mind of the thinker you know if I have a rejecting thought and I project it onto you and decide that I don't like you that you're not my friend or somehow you're condemned in my eyes that thought does not leave my mind because it remains as an attack thought and so now I've betrayed myself you see and so if I'm afraid of my thoughts I need only say I don't know I don't know will always save me because this thought that wandered into the home of my mind the heavenly home I share with God is a passing stranger it's a thought I don't need this world of thought is all in my mind and when my thoughts frighten me I will project I, I just will and it's all because I did not understand I thought like a child I did not understand but I can I can because Holy Spirit holds all my knowledge saved for me that I might do my will as soon as I say I don't know I'm saying take this from me and look upon it for me let me not use it to hurt myself but rather you use it for me for my healing then I have no need to project onto God's creation anything except the loving thoughts I share with God I'm complete thank you Lori. gorgeous gorgeous thank you Lori. thank you thank you Lori. that was wonderful thank you that was very thank helpful Lori. thank you
Thank you, Lord. Going back a couple, couple um, sections in, where it where it talks more about, you know, idols, um, falling, you know, how the ego seeks and seeks outside of itself, the ego thought system in the body. It's the, you know, the the mind body that thinks it's a separate self and needs something outside of itself in order to complete it. That's one perspective. And in lieu of the lesson today, um, this really came to me. It came to me so clearly that the idea that my new perspective is, is, is seeing, listening, and being from with and for everything. It's like a seamless, boundaryless kind of a place, that there is nothing inside or outside of me. It's, it's one sense of having and being everything, all in all. And, you know, I, I've been thinking for a long time, I have everything because God's given it to me that everything has been given to me. And I got that in my heart of hearts, truly, truly understanding that and full of love and gratitude for that, seeing everything as a gift. But that sense of being it, and I, I prayed on it this morning and, and asked what's, what's keeping me from this. And, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's come with this sense of, of um, the tiny scraps of fear I still have about um, being in pain, being in the ego pain body. And, and what I learned in referring to the lessons of the Holy Spirit today was that the pain was a condition for the fear. And that I recognize because I, I have a tendency to hold my body tighter, contract it in anticipation of the pain or after I feel the pain. And there is a line in the Course that says that the body never exists except in anticipation of it or after it or it's remembered. So (laughs) it's either in the past or in the future, which is where the ego thought system rests. So this is very fascinating to me. Um, so I'm looking at that this morning, and I'm I'm sitting with the, the lesson, and I'm holding, 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 you know, the invitation open to the Holy Spirit to join with me and Christ to join with me, and and light my mind so that I could I could I could know this truth that having and being are equal in the same, which will you know, jettison me out of this this suffering pain body. So that's just where I'm at today and and um it's reading this over again and contemplating it more deeply, 
seeing um, thoughts as form, forms, objects in and of themselves that are, are um, coming and going and are either true or false and that I'm responsible for thinking and seeing my thoughts. I'm not responsible for judging anybody else in any way, shape, or form, only joining with the Holy Spirit and looking at my own thoughts and asking him to judge them with me, evaluate them with me and say, you know, is is this perfect? Does this belong in, in my kingdom of heaven, my being, the kingdom of heaven? Or, or do we need to, you know, is this partially need to be purified? Or do I just reject this completely? Because this is the moment-by-moment moment immediacy of salvation for me. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is what I'm responsible for. And I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm heading for heaven. <laughs> That's all, folks. Thank you for letting me say it out loud. I love saying these things out loud. It really fortifies them and strengthens them for me. And uh, enough about what I think. What do you think about what I think? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Judy. Yeah, this is is Micah, Judy. I... I, uh earlier when you mentioned being one with everything uh it it it, it was quite a shock because i was you know real body identified down into the petri dish into space time and being this mica feeling but you know reading the course and thinking about things and and then here you are talking about being one with everything and it, it was like somebody suddenly, like a wall of the house just suddenly fell down, you know, and here's this vastness. And and I didn't I, I didn't even know how to approach it. You know, it seemed like, well, how do I, you know, because all I could do was turn the lens of awareness in that direction and ask for a miracle. You know, show me, show me what it means that I'm one with everything because I sure don't feel it in this body-identified state. And so when you were mentioning it again just a few moments ago, I, 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 it seemed more, a little more accessible, still, still distant, but it, it seemed softer. It seemed like the portal, there was, something was more permeable and the awareness could kind of slide gently more into an acknowledgement that, yes, I am one with everything, you know, and, and there was a sense of peace about it and, and a, and a, but a permeability about it. And uh, it didn't lift out totally into a, a crystal clear, crisp awareness, you know, it, but it, it was a sense more in the heart, I guess. So I I really valued that you were mentioning that uh, this morning. Um, thank you very much. Mm, thank you, Micah. It's really you, nicely Micah. described. I love that word permeability because it's 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 really that feeling of transparency that we get. I'm sure we all know it. We can't not know it. It's what we are. This this permeability that everything life is living us and moving through us 
There's not, there is no boundaries. There are no walls. It's all conceptual. The thoughts, the thoughts that come in between, <laughs> which the, those two lines that I, I said, you know, that, that um, dreams are, are, are no longer made to separate the mind from what it thinks. That, that's where that, that no mind, you know, stopping thinking about anything and just letting God do me <laughs> becomes the joyful experience of the incredible lightness of being. It's really the incredible lightness of being. And he's doing everything. And that's what makes it a walk in the park. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Judy. Good morning, it's Karen again. I had a thought I was thinking to share. Um, Yesterday when I read the lesson, I was thinking perception follows judgment. And I was looking out at the world and election day and the implications of who's going to win. And I felt very fearful. And then I went into meditation and I felt like that projection of fear into the world dissolved into a block of emotional energy from childhood. And then, and then I felt like I touched the real block, the real source of the projection, and that dissolved. And then I wasn't afraid anymore. I felt, I felt safe and, you know, that, that safety that, that the Course keeps pointing to. But then, <laughs> very tricky and in how insidious the ego is, the ego said, well, try that with something else, you know, that you're afraid of. And then it became an ego-directed ego healing. And that was a definite misstep, you know, to, to look at my judgments and my perceptions and the, the judgments behind the perceptions and try to walk myself back. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, I was up meditating, and I realized that I was trying to do it. I was trying. The ego was trying to do it. And that was, like, Lori, you said, I don't know. Coming back to that place that says, I don't know. God, you heal me, and I will just be open to whatever you guide me to do. And that was really very powerful. And, you know... Taking away the ego's job of figuring out what my judgments are instead of just opening and allowing Holy Spirit to reveal to me when and if something needs my attention. I'm complete. Thank you for letting me share that because it was a very, um, it felt like an epiphany. I'm complete. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for sharing it. Very well described, Karen. I, I appreciate that. Uh, he talks about the, um, if you let your ego direct you, uh, your meditations will frighten you because you're using the ego as a guide uh, on an ego alien adventure. And that's why it's just so lovely to uh, fall back in the arms, you know, with I don't know. I don't have to know. Isn't that glorious to know? 
that I don't have to know. I don't have to be the traffic director. I don't have to uh, be or do anything other than, than what I am. And <laughs> there's another quote that comes to mind. It cannot be hard to do your will because the Holy Spirit tells you what it is and then he does it for you. You know, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to know anything. Uh, I don't have to understand anything. Um, and when I realized that that this Course in Miracles isn't about learning anything, it's about unlearning everything I taught myself, um, then I start to know that um, the Son of God cannot change himself. He's innocent and pure and holy as he was created. I'm complete. Patricia here, I especially uh, appreciate this entire conversation. That epiphany that was brought up and so many of these things, it's so delightful. They're mine too. And I feel so at this point with the world the way it is, blessed to know that I am not a single thought that moves through this light being. I'm not one of these thoughts, but I do have the thoughts. And it is such a, a freedom epiphany right now because I get the benefit of if the thought, you know, is connected like, oh, uh, why don't you share what you're thinking, Patricia? And it just, I'm doing it. The thought is what I'm doing. It's so congruent. Oh, turn the water a little warmer now, a little colder. It's the thoughts that are immediate. And, of course, I'm so engaged. I'm those. I'm doing them. All other thoughts, a thought about the past, a thought about a future, all other thoughts, you guys, they're free. They just move through this field. And so what I do is I inquire. And just this week, I've been getting a very detailed, um, more detailed than ever before. Because my inquiry about what is this aroma? What is this temperature? I feel for the frequency in past and future thoughts. Sometimes I get, well, honey, they're entertaining. Are they connected to me, I ask? So I talk to a place the curriculum has taught me to go, to this receptor, this silent self. When I have thoughts that are of a past or future, I ask, and 90% of the time right now I get, these aren't about you. Just let the weather pass through you, honey. And I'm just surrendering that right now. It, it surprised me that just came out. It's so like not me. It came through me just now. It's so strong. So many of the past or future thoughts if they are entertaining, then I'm asked, what frequency do they put you on? Do, do you really think you can entertain yourself with drama right now, Patricia? 
And then I go, oh, my goodness. That's what, okay. So uh, this feedback I'm getting, when a choice is made, how does it serve the frequency I am to be? I am to be. I am to be this. I'm choosing. And they're not my thoughts. So the biggest revelation to try to calm and quiet me now is to let you know I share it to you. More details when I am very sure I go to asking before. I even assume it's my thought. And right now I'm hearing the weather of this new transparent body. The weather patterns of the planet, these are streams of frequencies of emotion. They're not mine. I can let it go past by and turn towards a thought that is a frequency I am, that is me. Because every choice is me. I'm getting so much glorious guidance. And the biggest freedom to have it is to know beyond a shadow of a doubt not one thought belongs to me. And they're all so liquid. They come and go so fast. And I body surfed out here on the California coast. And I know what the body feels like when I go down under these waves. And I sit with my Lord. Oh, it's so good, you guys. We're not our thoughts. We turn towards or away from the weather they bring us. Thank you. Oh, that was so excellent. Thank you very much, Patricia. That's the best. The best thing I've heard you say. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. That was beautiful. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, a little addition when I heard that laughter of crying, my spirit said, yes, yes, this is so brand new and unexpected because I will cry and I will laugh, but I won't know the difference. The tears just come through sometimes, and there's no story other than to duck and be the love. And it's really got a lot of emotion, but the crying and the laughing are the same. Thank you. Oops, got somebody at the door. I appreciate you all. I'm going to go. I'll be back another day. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Have a beautiful day. That was just gorgeous. And, you know, in light of what she just shared, and because it's time to end this recording, well, I hadn't planned on it, but here is a beautiful exclamation point to that last share. Releasing judgment is so critically important, and it forms the basis of everything that follows here in this new beginning. Um, 
So in light of her share in releasing judgment, here we go. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival. The joy, a depression, the meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. We're never alone in this adventure, and truth can restore everything to my mind. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for reading, for sharing this morning, for every morning that you dial in and share with us. No one can know the one mind alone, but together we can. That's how we need each other, and I'm so grateful. <sighs> Amen.